Hey friends, this is Mike. Today's podcast is session one of an interview that I did with Tammy Demirza. And Tammy is an amazing woman. She wrote a book called The Inmate and the Medium. And when I did this interview, I had not yet read the book. However, since we did the interview, I've read the book. And I'll talk about that in just a second before we actually start the interview. Very interesting. Stand by. Hello again, friends and fellow true seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast. My goal is to help you with questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul and particularly to help other left brain types, like I think I am, to ask the right questions in our search for a deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. Let's get started with today's interview. So as I mentioned, this is part one of my session with Tammy, and we talk about a number of things. Uh, her book, again, is The Inmate and the Medium, and had I read that book, this would be a completely diff- different interview, probably. I recommend the book to you, and I'll put that in the show notes. And also, just so you know, this this is an audio podcast that you're listening to, but we did a video version also, and if you'd like to see Tammy, because you can get a lot of information, I think, from people's facial expressions. If you want to see that interview, it's on YouTube. Again, that link is in the show notes, but basically it's under uh, Mike Nicholas Dash Unleashed on, on YouTube is my channel. And in this session, Tammy talks about a lot to do with souls and old souls and what that means and the work that she does in terms of being an intuitive and an empath. And she does a whole range of things. It's really quite amazing. And I I have a much better understanding now that I've read the book, but she's able to read people, read bodies, and she's been through quite quite a journey. So please stand by and uh, listen to the interview itself. I think you'll really enjoy it. Again, this is part one or session one. It's about 30 minutes long, but well worth it, and session two will be next week. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Soul Unleashed podcast. I'm Mike, of course, and my guest today, who I'm really happy to talk to, is Tammy Demirza. And Tammy, um, I know that you're an intuitive, a spiritual guide, a teacher, an author, a whole bunch of things. How how would you best describe yourself? What what do you use to describe yourself, like if you're in an elevator kind of pitch thing? I I tell you what, it's kind of hard to put that into a little sentence, but I'm going to say two. I'm known internationally as the breakthrough alchemist. I create breakthroughs, instigate them, which causes big transformation in people's lives. And then the other thing that I'm really known for is that I work with older souls. So I am the older souls intuitive. I'm an author, a spiritual teacher, and an intuitive that works with people that know they came here to do big things, but they don't know why they're not doing them. That is awesome. Okay. Which leads to a whole bunch of different questions. <laughs> so first of all, I think I've told you before, let me just explain to the audience how you and I met, yeah. which was completely, um, we were both at a seminar in Austin for book writing. You're already an accomplished author. I'm still struggling to be one, but I was in the back of the room and you stood up and you asked a question and you described yourself as an intuitive and all the lights went off in my head. This wasn't a conference for 
for spiritual people, it was people that were writing books about everything from cooking to relationships to whatever. Uh, but when you mentioned that, I just had to talk to you. And uh, so we spoke there in Austin, and that's led to this interview. And I'm really glad that we that we met. I'm glad that you asked the question, whatever. I forget what the question was, but I remember the intuitive thing. <laughs> so Well, so, and then we found this commonality of me doing Older Souls Unleashed events. And you you told me that you have an Unleashed podcast or whatever this is. And so it was like, wait a minute. Yeah, it, it's, awesome. it's called Souls Unleashed, right? The Soul Unleashed, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're both into unleashing people into their authentic selves instead of the fake selves being the one that they know. So so tell me what is an old or older is there a difference between the term old soul and older soul? No, I just coined older souls. Okay. Um older souls, what what happened, Mike, and how this all came about being was that I was doing all of this intuitive work really since I was 11 years old. And then as I got older, I started finding people wanting to play with it. They just wanted to play with talking to people who had crossed over or whatever as a medium. I don't really call myself a medium, although what I do is mediumship skills, but it's skills that people aren't familiar with in mediumship. So I was at that juncture in my life of telling God, source, that I wanted him to send me or them to send me um, people who are really serious about their journey. I didn't want to work with people that were just playing with it or, you know, haphazardly kind of making fun or whatever. I wanted to work with serious people. And so from that moment forward in 2013, I started hearing come out of my mouth during these intuitive sessions, you're an old soul, you're an old soul. Here's the commonalities. Here's the commonalities. I even have a book. It's right here. It's called 65 Signs That You're an Older Soul. And there's more than 65 signs. So I started compiling information, Mike, about what old souls go through. The commonalities are stunning. And I was having a hard time figuring out uh, what commonalities weren't the same ones every single person were doing. I was noticing you're just repeating yourself in your readings. You're you're repeating these commonalities. And so I, I decided to start writing. And I've written two books. Um, I'm going to write another one that goes along with this, but really helps an old soul know how to function here. So they're much more sensitive. They're much more caring. They have heightened abilities. They're aware of things that other people around them don't. They're typically people that are the only people like they are in the entire family. There's usually nobody else like them, so they feel very alone. They feel isolated. They have throat chakra issues because when they have spoken and they're speaking the truth and they're speaking from a higher sense of awareness, people don't like it. And they don't know what to do with them. And so older souls have a tendency to pull into a little shell and want to isolate themselves. And so I started in my mind, I started ticking off these commonalities and realizing, oh, my goodness, they check every box. Every single symptom of an older soul is there. Every single commonality, we do things big. So, Mike, if we do something good, it's big. If we do something bad, it's big. We're dramatic people. 
And that's because the power, the knowledge, the clearings that we've done in past lives and in this one, it's really, really big. So we're playing big, but we're acting small as a rule. We want somebody else to leave. We want somebody else to do it. So you're using the term we, so I assume that you consider yourself an older soul. No question. Okay. Do you, forgive me for struggling with this concept, but I, I've often wondered about older. Does older equate to more experience or were all souls created at the same time? How can there be younger souls and older souls? <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask to answer your first part because you've gone into two really big things. So first part, love your questions, love the brilliance of it. How does one become an old soul? By incarnating a lot and doing a lot of the work. So every single person comes in, Mike, with the same exact same curriculum in the same order. And where we all are, if you looked around humanity, if you looked around your private world and then into the other parts of the world, you would see that everybody is just in a different position on that journey. You see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. an older soul is just somebody that's gone further in the journey. It doesn't separate us from anyone But we feel separated because we're very innocent people that just are about love. And what happens to us, Mike, is that we typically become codependent, used up, tattered, abused, taken advantage of, not respected when we're actually becoming servants to other people, thinking that we're doing something good, but it's toxic. Because we know we came to do big things. So in our hearts, there's this need to serve humanity. So then because of our abilities, we actually look for ways that we can make an impact because we know we came to do it. Well, if we're confused, Mike, then we just get used up and we attract narcissistic, selfish, behavioral people. So I can see where you help people through that during this experience or in, in this life. But, but you mentioned a couple of things there. So as when you say souls come in, you mean when we're first created to exist, we have a curriculum or a process or a path that we're all supposed to follow. And for some reason, certain souls get ahead of others in terms of development. Growth. 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 And what's, what's the ultimate goal? To me, The highest mastery that I know on this planet is self-love. Of course, you said this planet. So we go someplace else after this planet? (laughs) Well, the way that it is, is we are not created. I know that a lot of people want to think that. But in between our lives, and there's a lot of people, very well-known people, that are PhDs that have been studying this, There's Robert Monroe. There's all kinds of people that have been studying this and they've written about it. In between lives, we meet with our, what I call our team. We meet with our gods and masters and spirit and we decide even to the depth of what body we're going to choose, what eye color we're going to have, what parents we're going to have. And so when we come in, it's to do this specific curriculum, which is all about growth. Enlightenment, evolution, freedom. How, how does free will play into that? 
How does what? Free will. Free will is that we chose it. And free will is that even though you designed your curriculum, you've got crossroads constantly throughout that journey, including Mike, that there are a minimum, to my knowledge, after working with thousands of clients and thousands of sessions and downloads on all of this, you have an out at least three times in your life. I've never met anybody that didn't have at least three outs where they could choose to stay or go. So the free will is happening the entire time you're here in this earth planet. But we're not confined to this earth planet. According to quantum physics, we are experiencing other lifetimes at the same time on this planet and other planets. Science is just now catching up and saying, and they said this about four years ago, that 95% of our DNA is alien. We're not just from here. We're just using this physical reality as part of a curriculum. Okay. There's a ton of different directions I would love to go into, but let me try and stay focused. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, everything that you said, I have seen and heard and read. And and, uh, when I was doing a medium session with someone about our son, he came through and he was in a session. It wasn't, he wasn't in a planning session. He was in a life review session. Yes. But. I've, I've read the book life between lives and, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I've really come to believe in, in those things. So, so souls, uh, I got stuck when you said souls weren't created. So ha- are you saying souls have always been? Souls have always been, we've been in different forms. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so do, do so there are no new souls being made then everything I, I i have not gotten intel about that because i haven't asked that question it's not been on my radar to even think about that because i'm dealing with what i'm dealing with here okay and just getting information to help me here and the souls that i work with the older where, where do you get your information from downloads from where from source from the universe, from oneness, from God, from spirit, however you want to call it. So you would define that as source. Non-physical. To me, it's God because I, I, I went to a Southern Baptist church at 13. So I just usually refer to source as God to me. Um, I know he doesn't fall off his throne and get upset if somebody calls it something different and you'll hear me calling it something different. Uh, the non-physical does not get caught up in terms like we do. They're not legalistic or judgmental. So I'm getting information from the non-physical, if you want okay. to put it very simply. The reason I'm asking that is because uh, I've met a number of people and interviewed a number of people that get information from groups of people or entities that they describe with a name or some type of description, which I think is all source expressed through different ways. but but you describe it as source God or whatever. Okay. Tell, tell me about your upbringing because you've touched on that a couple of times and I'm fascinated by how you grew I was up. Not, I was not grown. I, I wasn't um, exposed. Sorry. I was trying to get the word. I wasn't exposed to Christianity. We didn't go to church. I didn't know about God. I didn't know about Jesus. I didn't know about the whole concept. 
I may have attended church maybe two or three times. So because I wasn't raised in church, when my grandmother brought a Southern Baptist pastor over and he's talking to me about Jesus and God and how much they love me, I said out loud at 11 years old, and I am shocked, Mike, that I wasn't abused when I said it. But I said out loud, I'm not loved. Whatever that love is, I need it. I'm not loved. And so I I was trying to find out at 11, and this was my vernaculars, who are these guys and why would they love me? They don't even know me. I've never met them. You know, I'm asking these questions. It doesn't make sense to me. But as the pastor talked about love, I started to be drawn into the word love. And then he started talking to me about heaven and hell. And you'll go to hell if you don't accept Jesus and all this. And I said out loud, heaven and hell does not feel good to me, but love does. So will you talk to me about love? So I accepted Jesus from that concept of it's about love. It's about being accepted. It's about unconditional. It's about not being beaten. It's about somebody caring about me. And Mike, overnight, I was not the same person. I started communicating with the non-physical. I started hearing distinct voices. I remember being trained about three months after I quote unquote got saved according to Christian, um, you know, thought processes and theories. To me, it was accepting love and connecting and joining to me, it was a reunion. And I was obviously already an empath because I was feeling what it felt like when the pastor was talking about love versus judgment, condemnation, mm-hmm. hell, punishment versus go to heaven if you act right. So I was already an empath and realized reading that energy. But once I did that, and they say, a lot of people have said, that if you really came here to be a guide, a spiritual guide or a leader, you will awaken by the age of 11. So I was right in that range of what people say, you'll awaken. And my sister prayed the exact same prayer, but Mike, nothing happened to her. So I wake up feeling like a totally different being. I'm communicating. I'm knowing things about the kids. I'm knowing what's going on in their private lives. I'm reading their thoughts. I know what happened with the grandmothers. I know what's happening at home. I know that there's fighting. I know, I mean, all of a sudden, everything is like, how come I know this? And why do I not like the same songs? And why do I not like the same food? And why do I not like the same colors? And I was confused at 11 to have this sudden jolt, this awakening, so to speak, where you're not the same person and you're not going to function the same way. So I began this journey of talking to people, talking to kids. I was called the counselor in school. I was called the grandmother or go talk to counselor because I was confounding everybody. Because when they would come to me with their issues, the kids would, then I would give them more information than I could possibly know. And they're like, how would you know that? I don't know how I know it, but I know it. And then, Mike, I wanted to fit in. And I didn't fit in. And I started realizing in my 20s, as I, all of a sudden, abilities would be in front of me, like 
all of a sudden, like 21 years old, I mean, I'm going from 11 to 21, 10 years later, somebody walked in my house and I was scanning their body and I could see where the malignant tumor was. And I could tell them what the doctor said and I could tell them what their tests were and I could tell them what they'd been diagnosed with. It was the wildest life to live, Mike. Did that cause uh, pressure or concern or pain for you as you were growing up? Yes. It was both pain and pleasure. It was seeing people healed and elated and excited and believing in something that was much more than what this physical world shows us. And then it was also painful because I didn't fit in. I was did, you, did you relate to what was happening to you to Christianity or was it more or beyond that? I think that Christianity is very limited, but I think that every single, every single religious thought that we have, or we go to just this, we study only this, there are truthful aspects in every single one of those things that people follow, but I haven't found one that really gets it all. So to me, it's a combination of all of the religious, um, you know, background thoughts, the customs, the traditions. There's truth in every single one of those, and there's falsehoods in every single one of those. So to me, you sound like you're writing my book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. This is why we're together. Exactly what I have in my book. Yeah. Tammy, you you touched on something. If I could, I was going to ask you this later, but since you mentioned it, I'll ask you it now. Um, The concept of eschatology or what happens to us when we die has always fascinated me. And there's different, even among Christians, a different perspective as far as what happens. So, I can guess from what you've told me already, but do you believe there's a heaven or a hell uh, or that we're punished or judged when we die? No. No, and Mike, I'm going to tell you something wild, and this may upset your listeners. But as a teenager, because I wasn't raised in church, and I begged my parents for three years to put me in church. So at the age of 13, on October the 13th, my birthday, we visited the church I'd been begging for two years, and then we joined that day. So I started getting indoctrinated in what Christianity says. Well, I didn't know David. I didn't know Goliath. I didn't know Paul. I didn't know the disciples. So I started reading the Word. And as I started reading the Word, there were times, Mike, that I felt overwhelmed by the feelings of love. I even said, if you don't stop, my body's going to break apart. I can't handle this much love. I know this is love energy, but on the contrast, I would read things and I would want to throw the Bible. And I didn't understand. So I started asking, why do I have this reaction with this scripture, but I don't have it in other scriptures when supposedly the Bible is the inherent word of God and all of it is true. But there are so many contrasts in the word of God, in the Bible, that you can't really adhere to that falsehood belief that all of it is true because there's contrast. There's different versions of stories. There's different things said. As I got in my 20s, I really started studying the Greek and the Hebrew and going into what that translation was. And guess what I found out about hell? 
it wasn't even introduced until the 1300s. And women being submissive to men was not introduced until 1610 when King James, for some reason, wanted to retranslate the word and put that in there. It is not in the even in the Greek, and it goes back much further than that. But I started to realize that much of what I was experiencing as a young teenager was this was retranslated by man. They put their spin on it. So then we get in trouble when we're trying to live from what the Bible says, but we don't realize that sometimes man put that in there and it wasn't in the original text. So so what happens to us if I could just go back to when we die? Do do we go into that period we talked about where you learn, refresh, and recoup and plan again? And come back. I understand that there are like healing chambers that some people can go into. You know, it might be somebody like Ted Bundy or somebody like that that came in and did some really, really dramatic things. But we get to decide whether or not we're coming back. From what I understand, this planet is the most brave to come into. A being, I look at every single human being here as being the most brave, because this is the world of dichotomies. This is the world of polarities. This is the world of good, bad, right, wrong, up, down, opposites, polarities. So the law of polarity is that to everything, there is a good and a bad and an equal measure of it. So this world, this scope of this world that we came into, Mike, is very distressing. It's both good, it's both bad, it's both happy, it's both sad. It's just this contrast of you feel like you're being flipped around. You feel like you're you want to leave here. I remember at 13 saying, Hey, if this is all you got, if this is really what I came into, and people all they do is hurt each other and talk about each other and condemn each other and fight each other, let me go. I didn't want to be here. So I know that every single person that is here is brave. And those of us that are here chose it. What about people that do bad things? You mentioned Ted Bundy, but, you know, people that commit horrible crimes, for example, are they, we live our lives as, as Christians, as people with the belief in a lot of cases, the comfort that that person will get their just dessert or what they deserve when they die and go to hell or whatever. Um, it's kind of sometimes what holds our society together, right? That we, you don't go out and kill somebody that hurt your daughter because you know that they're going to die and be judged and go to hell or whatever. But if that's not true, what, what happens afterwards to bad people? Well, I don't look at people as bad. And I don't look at people as being judged. So my concept is that people like Ted Bundy came in to play a role He agreed to play that role, and he played that role. For whatever reason he chose to play it, I don't know. But I do know that the universe does not judge, nor does the physical body, nor does does the spirit of a being who is having this experience. Let's talk about 9-11 really quickly, and maybe that will help you to understand this. When 
I was watching 9-11 happen, my experience was totally different from everybody else. Someone else may see somebody jumping from that fiery furnace and feel their pain. But let me tell you what I was seeing. I don't know why, but my nose was itching. What people were seeing was individuals falling out, jumping out to escape the fire, and they're feeling the physical pain. They're like, oh, God, they're going to hit. They're going to hit. That's going to hurt. That. Let me tell you what I was seeing. I was seeing the souls leave the body. And some of them, Mike, were as soon as they jumped off the building and some were going that looked like about 20 feet and all of a sudden their soul would leave. And that body didn't feel anything because it was empty. So we get traumatized by things that the spirit world does not. And to me, every single time somebody has hurt me, they have been playing a pivotal role in my life. And I learn to grow and use it. What are you triggering in me? How are you trying to help me? How are you spiritually pushing me to grow? That's how I look at the world. That's my understanding of it. It's not about who's right or wrong, because the truth is, Mike, every single one of us are good and bad. Every single one of us do things that are good, and every single one of us do things that are not the most beneficial. So, so if, some, if someone were to come to you and ask you what advice as a spiritual teacher you would give, say, to a, a father whose daughter was murdered, what do you tell them? I would go in very deep with that man. I would go in very deep, and by the time he left, he would be free. I actually had a client who found me that ran over her son. He was only about two and a half, three years old. She had been in such intense pain that it was unbelievable. With one hour session with me, she no longer felt that pain and she understood it. So there's a story in this book too, um, the inmate and the medium. And I was living in a hotel. I was homeless and I was having to manifest the money to even pay the hotel. And there was a maid there. And I'm in the little gym and I'm working out and the maid comes in and she's fooling around with this dispenser. And there was another lady that was in there that was talking to me about spiritual things. Who are you? I know you're different. You're not the same. Are you the Long Island medium? And I'm like, no, but you're close <laughs> because I, I, I do do that kind of work. And she said, well, do you ever do anything spontaneous? And I said, it's rare, but it does happen. In walks in the maid. She's hanging out. She's not really fixing the dispenser. She's listening. And I said, uh, it's happening right now. And I'm going to ask you to please be quiet and just witness this because this is really big what's about to happen. And I looked straight over at the maid and I said, you do know your son is standing to your right side. I can see him very clearly. And she starts weeping. Well, the woman in the gym starts freaking out. That story's in that book, The Inmate and the Medium. She starts freaking out. And I said, look, you're going to have to leave. This is serious. She's crying. I, I don't need to deal with you. I've got to help her. And I told her, I said, you're a medium and he wants to communicate with you. And she said, I know he's here. I know it. I feel him. I see him. I said, well, he wants you to know that he has blonde hair now. And she cried even more because he was brown headed and he always wanted blonde hair. 
I said, so he wants me to, he showed me his brown hair, but then he showed me his blonde hair to let you know he got what he wanted and he wants you to forgive yourself. And what you did to yourself is torment. You're punishing yourself. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, the tattoo that is all down your chest of his face. Now, Mike, she had on a shirt that came up to here. I couldn't see it. She barely pulled down her shirt and you could see the top of his head. And the woman in the gym is screaming. Hmm. And I said, stop again. I told the woman, please stop. I've got to help her. Now, everybody's journey of healing, of getting free, Mike, of transcending just this world and how serious it is. Every single person that gets free goes, I remember the thing, but I no longer feel the pain. So, My work with the grieving father whose child was murdered would be, let's heal your heart. And then you won't feel the pain because feeling the pain is really what everybody wants to get away from, but they don't know how. All right, folks, that wraps up things for this session. Again, session two will be next week with Tammy. I hope you enjoyed today. Really appreciate it. If you can hit the subscribe button wherever you download this podcast or leave a review, that'd be even better. Really helps other people find this podcast more easily. And of course, that's what I'm looking for is more awesome people like you. Again, I hope you join me for next week's interview with session two of, uh, of Tammy's interview. Thank you. Bye-bye.